Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Zach Beinlich, who is the bass player for Yam House. And Yam House is a band that has absolutely exploded in the last couple of years. In April 2018, they launched their first single, West Coast, which had over 100,000 streams in their first week on Spotify. And then their album, Stargazer, had 2.6 million plus streams on Spotify. They've been crushing it. They sold out First Ave in Minneapolis, which is a 1,500-person venue. And they've really crushed it in Minneapolis and are expanding outside of it. They also make these really unique, funny, interesting music videos. And a few of my favorite songs you should listen to from Yam House are Wake Up, The Thrill, West Coast, and Groovin'. Those are just a few of the top ones they have, but they have a whole album out and a few other singles as well. You should definitely take a listen. In this episode, we talk about a lot of things behind how they actually blew up, how they've grown so far, did 100 plus shows in 2019, full-time musicians now, and it's really just kind of a fascinating story as to the rise of Yam House uh, up until this point, and they're only going to continue to grow. It's not a typical business per se, but a band is really like any entrepreneurial venture, and that's why I wanted to have Zach on the show, and I'm very excited for you to check it out. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show, leave a rating and review over an Apple podcast, and sign up for my newsletter with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Without further ado, here is Zach Beinlich from Yam House. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to chat about so many things since it's been a while since we've, we've talked. It's been years now. And yeah. and where I want to get started, I mean, with, with Yam House, playing at First Ave in Minnesota, Minneapolis, like, how was that show? Yeah, it was crazy, man. We have had a dream to play there. I mean, ever since, you know, growing up in Minneapolis, it was like always a dream, you know, seeing my favorite artists play there and like, man, one day, what if we got to play there? And then... You know, you just keep working and you find the right people, make the right relationships. And all of a sudden you're getting asked to like headline there. And um, it, it was crazy, man. It was so much led up to it. And we we, we planned for a long time and um, we sold the venue out like two months in advance, which was not something that we were planning on. Which was <laughs> like, holy crap. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just, it was wild, man. Dude, that's awesome. I remember seeing a post about, uh, I think the show where you posted, yeah, you're like, oh, already sold out. I guess I don't have to post every day about this to get people to cover the show. It is so like I'm selling a product, you know, even though I'm in a band and like sometimes for me when I'm like trying to sell my art, I feel a little like sellout-ish and like when that happened so early, I was like, oh my God, this is so great. (laughs) Like this is amazing. Oh my goodness. It was great. Yeah, and I saw different posts too, just about you know following along with what you guys have been doing, doing like 124 shows or something in in 2019. I mean, what was that like, man? How was that playing so many shows? Yeah, it was um, it was crazy. We we jumped into this a while ago full time, and and it's cool because it created like a there's only one way to survive kind of mentality. You know, it was like yeah, you got to book shows in order to eat, and you, you got to book shows in order to pay rent. Um, there's like no other secondary income so um just figuring out how we were gonna like make you know in those 124 shows every show wasn't like fun and glamorous some of them were like four hours long playing um at like a county fair or like something along those lines where they're paying us to bring entertainment and it's not necessarily like a yam house show but we're doing things that we got to do so that we can be full-time so we can pay the bills so we can do the shows that maybe don't pay as well but um are more for like the artist's career 
that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And just going back to like going full time into it. So when did you guys decide to go full time and how did that decision come about? I think it was like two and a half years ago. I think it was like fall of 2017. Um, we just were like, man, if we're really going to do this, um, we got to just kind of go all in and we got to have buy-in from everybody that's involved. And this industry is, can be tough and, and kind of brutal. And we were like, man, if we're really going to do this, we have to give everything we got. And so far it's been a combination of stressful and super rewarding. And <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's been fun though, doing it with my buddies and, and yeah, man, it's been good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And and I also am always curious about like the logistics behind that because there's obviously so many things that go into that. You're supporting you guys and I'm sure there's other people involved too. Like, So when you decided you want to go full-time into this, you want to make this band like your life then for the next foreseeable future. I mean, what were some of those things you guys did then to start booking shows to start that process? Yeah, there was like a hunger just in kind of like what I said, like there's, there's no other way to make money right now if we're going to do this than to just play shows. So like, we kind of all looked at each other and we're like, all right, we got to have like a tenacity about like just cold calling people and being like, Hey, can we come play at your bar for an hour? And you, and here's our price. And we go do that. And then, you know, once you do that and the person likes you, then they tell a friend and then that friend books you. And then you can go back to that place. And I think there was just a general overall like hunger that we had to have together and, you know, splitting up roles. One person's doing booking, one person's doing finance, one's doing show performance, we're all learning songs, like splitting up our, our jobs because, um, it's so funny when, when we started this whole thing, um, and then you were doing your stuff with like entrepreneurial um, yeah. stuff. It was like, Oh man, like I thought being in a band was going to be just about like playing music and having fun. And like, I never realized it was going to be, it's just like startup. It's just a, like, yeah, house is an LLC and we set it up as that. And people have roles and people have different jobs to get things done so that we can do this full time. And, it was so funny, like watching what you've been doing. I was like, man, there's probably so many parallels <laughs> to starting a business that we could let me and Justin could just like talk about for hours. Yeah. And that's exactly why I wanted to have you on and looking at like the show, which is go grind with people starting and growing businesses. I was like, wait, music. I mean, this is the exact same thing. Like it is a startup. Like you guys are, you have a product, you have a product or service, whatever you want to call it. Like, and then you, you're trying to grow that constantly. And, and with that, with, with the music side of it, and then also the business side of it, I mean, how do you kind of balance those two things as you're trying to make music and, and play the shows and have all that, but then also knowing that like, yeah, you have to book more shows as well. Like, how does that go with balancing those two? Yeah, it's tough. Like my brain definitely works just in like, are we in business mode right now? Or are we in creative mode? Because my, my other brain doesn't work super well when I'm in the other brains like work area. So yeah. it is funny, like, man, do I have to do financial questions right now? Or can I go like, listen to an album and then get inspired and then write and then like, that's the other hard part too, is like, where do you where do you like, put your time and where do you put your like worth in your time? Like, is me sitting for three hours listening to music and then being inspired to write music? Like, is that a good use of my like work day? Or is that like, can it, it can seem like I'm wasting time, but like that stuff is super inspiring. And then I can do that for a little bit of the day. And then like, even today we have a meeting from 1030 to 1230 kind of just to talk about like, how are things, what our finances looking like? Um, what do we have like coming up the next week's shows? And we actually have that every week. We have one meeting that's, two hours and we just go through the week and we go through like, Oh, we have a big show coming up. How are, how is this, this, and this going? Um, so I, I have to definitely like separate my mind into like business mode and then like creative music mode, which I didn't think I was going to have to do when I started. <laughs> band, but here we are. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it is it is a business. You're gonna you know full time into it for the last couple of years, and, and looking at like, like the short term versus long term things. Obviously, you book you book shows out in the future, um, but then I'm sure other things potentially come about earlier. Like, how does that go with booking these bigger venues? But then also, oh, we should just play some smaller shows. We should book more of those as time goes on. Like, how does that? How do you look at that too? Yeah, yeah, they're like uh, the, the big house or the big shows that we have. We try to like you try to split them out as much as you can because you can't like especially in one area, you can't like use your audience so much. I think like, if I think about an artist that I love that is from LA or wherever, they're going to come through once a year, maybe once every two years. Like it's so sporadic and how they go to spaces. And since we're local and really haven't like moved out too much of that so far yet, it's like, how do we not over ask of our, our (laughs) fans, you know, if if you want to call them fans and and so like we have a big show and then we plan for that big show for like six months and then we'll like intersperse these things called like house shows like on our website you can go and you can book a house show and we'll show up at your house and you can invite friends over or we can ticket it or like whatever and like little things like that like a house show or like a playing at a bar or playing like a corporate event those little things like help us kind of move along because the big shows like at first avenue and then we're playing at the palace in st paul here up in may um like those things help the brand really grow because we're going to have 2,500 people in the room and it's going to be a good like look for Yam House. Yeah. But we can't do those all the time just because we don't have the capacity to do that quite yet. Oh, yeah. And and then looking at too, like with Minneapolis versus I see you're doing shows like in Madison and Milwaukee and in Chicago. Like how do you look at expanding outside of kind of your home turf? And when do you when you book those shows throughout the year, like how do you go about that as well? Sure. Yeah. Are you in L.A.? I'm in LA. Yeah. Dude, we got to come out there. That's what I'm talking about. You should definitely, I I will definitely help promote and do whatever I can if you come out here for sure. What is the weather like? Just like give me a little glimpse of hope. Like, what is the weather? Uh, Yeah, it's going to, it's probably like 50 now, but it'll be like mid 60s, if not 70, very soon today. (laughs) Enjoy it. So feel free to come out here. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. um, Oh, yeah. So when we were starting, we were looking at like, how do we want to, how do we want to do this thing? Like there's so many ways to try to make it in the, in the music industry. And one of the examples that we used was 21 pilots and kind of what Mm, they did mm -hmm. was that they took over Columbus, Ohio. They they made it so like they were ubiquitous in Columbus, Ohio. They were selling out massive venues. Everybody knew about them so much so that you could like radio stations could ignore them. Um, Like people in the industry couldn't ignore them. And that's kind of how they got their break. And we were like, that just makes the most sense because Minneapolis is such a good music town, but also like you can get on the road. And if you're playing too many shows in other cities and 10 people are coming, like that is really demoralizing really, really quick. So we were like, let's focus on Minneapolis. Let's make these shows really big and try to get as many people as we can. So now we're just actually kind of, we have a booking agent now that's kind of getting us into um, different markets other than Minneapolis, because I don't want to say we've conquered Minneapolis by any means. Cause I don't think that's true at all. Cause there's millions of people here who don't know about Ian house, but like playing first Ave and like playing the palace. It is like, okay, I think it's time that we start moving into different areas. Chicago is a big one. Chicago is actually our number one listening market, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Um, but that's just like a tough market to break into. Yeah. And like, obviously you said with Minneapolis, I mean, you've just done so many shows there and you're booking these, you know, thousand and 2,500 like uh seat 
places like that's that's the top of those places like those that city so it's like you have to expand and look at other venues and other markets and and one thing that comes to mind too when you said kind of like starting with minneapolis and the thing that 20, 21 pilots did um which yeah, i love them as well actually um it makes me think of a thousand true fans this article by kevin kelly i don't know if you've heard of it but um talk, talking about how you have your your thousand true fans whether it be a business or um even music or other things like that can support full-time like that's all you need when people sure. think that you need millions of raving fans it's really actually comes down to like a thousand true fans that will buy everything you do support all your shows and that sort of thing so it seems like you've already kind of done that same that type of thing you've already kind of grown uh in minneapolis and just going to expand as you just grow outside of that yeah dude, that's um, a crazy cool i like that I, when you're saying that i'm like oh yeah we have the crew of people that like we put new merch out and like it doesn't matter they're gonna buy it and like knowing that right now is like oh my god it's so helpful to move forward and we we put out a, a new merch line and that's another thing is like merch is one of the huge ways and we make money is like we got to design and develop cool merch and get it for a good price and sell it for a profit and that kind of stuff. But we have those people who are like, Oh yeah, we'll buy it. Like that's super helpful for, you know, our getting through this time that we're at right now for our business. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And looking at those different types of things, then like, at what point did you even start like selling merch? It was like right away or like, I mean, cause you're not, if you haven't, you don't have your fans yet. You're like, okay, well let's start playing shows. And then eventually you're like, we need merch. Like how did that come come about? Yeah. And, and, the industry changes so fast. I mean, when Spotify kind of really took over, it's like, okay, people don't make money off music and selling music anymore. So like, where does our income income come from? So it's like, okay, yeah. you can sell merch and you got to play shows. And I think we were pretty safe with our first like batch of merch. Like, oh, we made a shirt that just said Yamhaus on it. And it was like really easy to kind of buy that shirt. It wasn't like a big statement that you were making and buying this kind of crazy shirt. It was like, oh, I'm going to support this band. And, and then once we kind of planted that seed, we can move outside of that and move further in crazy designs and sweatshirts and socks and that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I think that seed with like the OG fans um, was, was a good step, I think in that merch, you know, discussion. Yeah. And you mentioned having a booking agent as, as well. Like what, at what point did that come about? And because you guys are doing, I'm sure everything to start with, how did you get that booking agent and how did you figure that out? Yeah, we, um, we actually do have two managers on our team right now who do a lot of stuff for us and they, they booked up until, we got reached out to, but it's funny in, we have this book called, uh, I think it's called all you need to know about the music business. And actually chance, the rapper's manager was like, you got to read this book. Like it teaches you about the industry and how fast everything changes. Um, one of the, a couple of things were like, you got to get a manager, you got to get a booking agent, you got to get all this stuff. And then we find out like, you actually don't just go hunt that stuff. Like you got to do your thing. And then if you're good enough, like they'll come find you. And we're like, Dang. Oh, that's kind of cool. And kind of a bummer because, we actually do work well on like, okay, give me a, give me a lever to pull. Give me like a knob to turn. Like, let's be very like, how do we work through this? And just to say like, Oh, they'll come is like, Oh, it's kind of demoralizing. But <laughs> I think we played enough shows and got in front of the right people and things worked out. And yeah, now we have a booking agent. She's awesome. So. Yeah, that's and how does that work with with figuring out? I mean, how many shows you can play is like as many as possible. Which venues you would say say no to? Because there's obviously I would imagine some some back and forth on that potentially. Or you guys are just literally trying to play like any possible show. Like how does how's that go with you guys? Yeah, I think um, we are pretty open to like grind and like really work hard and be like, hey, like we have a, a one night fly date to Connecticut. We're doing in March, I think, and it was like, hey, I got this gig in Connecticut that we're gonna fly you guys in for and we're like oh dope so like that we didn't really like tell her yes or no we want to play <laughs> but she just kind of went up and got that gig which was dope that's um, awesome but yeah it's 
there is a lot that goes into like figuring out where we want to go and when and because like once you get out on the road like if you're going to go to boston you might as well just do a tour that goes from minneapolis chicago then you hit the whole ohio cities cincinnati cleveland you know then you go buffalo new york boston philly like you you got to kind of be smart about it just so you're not wasting money and so there is a lot of thought that goes into where we go when we go how much it's going to cost how much we're going to make um there's a lot that goes into those decisions with with Sarah, our booking agent. Yeah, and, and then with obviously the growth of of your band with Yam House, a lot of it's just playing so many shows. But there's a lot of the digital side of it as well as well with engaging with fans online and everything you do with that. Like, how do you can balance that like digital online presence uh, within everything you're doing uh, in person as well? Yeah, it's I mean it's so important. I mean, and engaging with people on social media is just like it's such a new thing for like musicians and then like being able to reach new people with, you know, a comment on Instagram and then someone in, you know, Ohio does see that and they're like, Oh my God, I'm a Yamas fan now. And then they tell a couple of people and then all of a sudden we have a hundred fans in Ohio and then we have to go play a show there because we have a market there now. Like yeah. little things like that were never possible now are in our reach. And I think Lawrence does most of our, Lawrence is the lead singer of the band. Yep. He does most of our social media. Um, and it's, it's, he has a really cool like voice in that. I think, especially with bands, like people who are like fans of something, um, I think they like authenticity in posting and, in and that might sound weird enough in and of itself, but like that is a product that like when we can have a voice on social media and post things that like Lawrence is really good at, I think that creates a, a like I said, like a voice that people know that Yam House is going to speak to this and they're going to speak like this and they're funny and they're goofy and they can also get serious and they're going to post their music. There's so many things that go into social media and I think Lawrence does a really good job with that. Yeah, and I've I've seen I guess I, I followed along for for a while now. I've been seeing sure. all the stuff you guys are doing, and you guys are just a, you seem just like a fun a fun group of guys that are doing what you're doing with your music. I mean, and it's it's kind of infectious where people just want to follow along and be like, yeah, like I'm gonna keep track on what they're doing. And there's so many cool things they're doing with with like the music videos and everything. And I definitely want to talk about that too on that point. Yeah. Like how how do those come together? Because you have some very fun <laughs> fun music videos that are very entertaining as well. Yeah, we it's so funny right now budget for everything is pretty much zero. So like it's kind of demoralizing, but it's also cool. It's like, man, what can we come up with right now with a $0 budget? You know what I'm saying? Like even, even the one, the thrill, we were at a theme park, like um, we were at Valley fair and they closed it down for the day, which was insane. But that was just like a connection that we had from the guy who was filming our music video, who um, we hired and, and he did an amazing job. And a lot comes from us. You know, you, we, we write a song and we go, Oh, like what is what would the music video look like for this? What would what is the story it's trying to tell? It's funny, we were actually we were in the studio pretty late last night and we were making a song and like we had just started it and Lawrence was like, dude, I already see the music video like coming to fruition. <laughs> like we could do this, this, and this. I'm like, dude, we haven't even laid down the whole song yet. Like, what are you talking about? But it was cool. <laughs> like he he for sure has a mind for that kind of stuff. Um and like I'm trying to think of the music videos like West Coast. We were in LA for a photo shoot and we were like, we might as well shoot some footage here, like on our DSLR camera we have. And like we like we filmed that ourselves and we came up with the ideas for all that stuff. And Lawrence like laid in the snow and yeah. I saw <laughs> Yeah, then you're in the you're in the pool together and yeah, it's a very entertaining video. Let's just put yeah. it away. Everyone has to watch it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then with the with the team itself, so the yeah, the actual band. So talk about how you guys came together. 
Yeah, so Lawrence and Seth and I, it's uh, Lawrence is the lead singer, and then Seth is the electric player, and then I play bass. Um, we met in high school. We went to high school in Hudson, Wisconsin together. Um, I, I am the oldest of the crew. I'm two years older than everybody else. Um, and then we were like playing music in high school. And actually, Lawrence and I, um, we played hockey together. He was a sophomore. I was a senior. And we, we did not get along, actually. We were like, <laughs> kind of like enemies in high school. Ooh. I know. I was like, man, this kid is <laughs> a punk and he's a man. Yeah. Like, who is this guy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was talented. So I was like, whatever. If he's going to help us win, that's fine. And then we kind of like all went our separate ways. I went to lacrosse. Lawrence uh, did this thing called uh, AmeriCorps. Seth yeah. went to the U of M. Um, and then like when we all kind of got done, we came back and we're like, man, let's just like play some music together. This will be fun. Formed a couple different bands before um, Yam House really started. And then we met Jake in the music scene, like in Minneapolis. Um, and he was kind of like the last piece in the puzzle that was like, we want to have a band. We want to have a four piece. We just met this guy who's awesome. And if he's willing to like literally drop everything on a dime and move in with us, like this will work which was crazy. Like on Jake's part, he, we met him, he played a wedding with us cause we needed a fill in drummer. And then yeah. like a couple of weeks before he even played the wedding with us, we're like, Hey man, if you want drop everything that you're doing, quit your job, move into our house and we're going to start a band. And he was like, okay. And it was like <laughs> so much trust and so much like, it, it was great for the band too. It like started everything and it was really cool on his side. And it just, everything felt like, man, things this feels different. Like, you know, that feeling of like, okay, this is a long shot and things are going to be hard, but like something feels like if we follow this through, like something's going to work out. And I think we've just been following that feeling ever since. Yeah. And then, and then where does, where does the name come from? Yam house. Yeah. Well we, so before Yam house, the band name was Afton. And then we figured out, here's another thing I wasn't thinking about when I joined in the band was like, we were getting trademarks for selling merchandise and doing all different kinds of stuff. Um, and the Afton trademark on merchandise was already bought. So we were like, we could get a cease and desist or honestly, I'm beyond my element right now, but we were just like (laughs) afraid that we could get into like legal trouble with the, uh, with the name. And we're like, all right, let's like reevaluate. We were already calling our, our house, the Yam house. We all lived in the same house. And it was just kind of this like funny, dumb thing that came up. We're like, Oh, we'll call our house the Yam house. And then the person we were working with at the time was like, you guys should call your band Yam House. Like, we can't find another name. Just call your band Yam House. And we were like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. <laughs> name of all time. And the more we thought about it, the more we're like, you know what? We can make this work and, and we can like create a brand around this idea. Actually, Yam stands for You Are Me, which is kind of our little moniker of like, I think in the world right now, we just need to take a step back and treat other people with kindness. And as cheesy and as lame as that can sound sometimes, like, it is a good reminder as an adult. We learn that as like a child, like, Oh, treat other people the way you want to be treated. And then you become an adult. And like, for some reason that just goes out the window. And yeah, if we can bring a little bit of that into like the intensity of the music scene and like, especially with ourselves, like we spend 20, we spend every day, every second of every day with each other. And like, that can just be a lot. And if we can just remember that little simple idea, like, what are you going through right now? Can I put myself in your shoes? Um, it helps a lot. And I think, naming the band yam house has actually been a good like step in that direction yeah and, and with you you said you guys are together all the time obviously yeah. which is yeah what are the challenges that come along with, with that i mean because it's constant 24 7 you try to think of it uh like you said you are me that's everything as well but like what are the challenges that come about between being with these people all the time yeah i mean just finding out how people operate personality types you know um 
when you're stressed, like how you act or like, what can I do in this moment to make you not stressed? Like someone has a lot on their plate. Hey man, can I help you out? Um, with what you got going on, stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it is like a marriage. Lawrence jokes about like, we're just like, we spend so much time with each other. Um, the cool thing is we're like good, like really good friends. So at the end of the day, like we care for each other and we know when to step away and when to step in and when to be together and when to not. Um, but yeah, there is just a care and love for the like the, th- the three other guys in the band that I have that makes it so it actually isn't like tedious and boring and, and like, I hate being with the guys. It's so much, every time <laughs> we're together, it's, it's so much fun. We actually, we were in Chicago this weekend and we had the four of us plus one of our managers plus a lighting guy. And we all stayed in the same room in the same hotel room. Yep. And it was just like so much like dude smell and just like people <laughs> in this small room. And it was just like, man, this is fun. Like we're all just buddies and like we're spending every second of every day with each other, but like I'm having a blast right now. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's so much fun. And then, and you mentioned that your managers too, like how did, how did that come about bringing your managers on board and like, who is like the whole team kind of behind Yam, Yam house? Yeah. We had a buddy Patrick who moved in with us and then decided to quit his job and, and, and do this full time with us. And, and then we have, we actually have a, 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 a man, another manager named Oprah and she um, booked us at a college gig and was like, man, if I can help you guys out in any way, like, let me know. And we're like, absolutely. Like, let's create the team. I think we have realized how important it is in this, in this venture to like, not be too proud to ask for help because things are, there's so much to do um, that we just like, we're asking for help. And actually the, the most prime example of that is my dad and Seth's dad, they're both retired from 3M. They actually are the ones that we do our meetings with every week on Tuesday or Wednesday. And they're oh, nice. like so type A and so like corporate business that <laughs> um, is like we need a sense of that in like the where we're at with our headspace and creating music and kind of like the musician type of like, oh, everything's going to be all right. Like it's good to like bring some of that like intense corporate like here's a list. Got to get your list done here's the bottom line. We got to meet our bottom line. Like all that stuff is like, we don't do that on like a normal everyday thing with the house. So like having managers and we call them our dadagers, like having those guys like <laughs> in our meetings and pushing us and making sure we're making enough money and that kind of stuff <laughs> is super helpful because I think that could get away from like us creative types, which can sometimes be a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does seem like it'd be incredibly helpful to have that, even though it's something you might you might loathe at times. Or you're like, I just want to make music. Man. I, know, I just want to like be creative, and they're like, you got to pay your rent, dude. <laughs> yeah, like you can be yeah, be creative on the street then if you don't pay your yeah, rent. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Goodness. And then with with that, I mean, getting to that point where obviously you're supporting yourselves. I know you guys did you've done a lot of different strategies, like marketing the uh, the, the band, like the vlog. <laughs> How did you decide to start the vlog back back uh, years ago? I was just talking about the other day. It was like, I, I saw the, um, the, like how smart it was. I hated doing it. I just was like, <laughs> it's just not my thing to be like a editor video guy. And so it, what we would do is for, so we, we did a vlog every day for 365 days. So it was like a six to 11 minute video that took like four to six hours to edit. So what would happen is we would work all day doing music stuff. And then either we'd film all day or we'd pick something at the end of the day that we want to film. And then some, one of the four of us would edit that video and then we would just rotate in how we edit. So like once every four nights, you're not getting any sleep and you just have to like stay <laughs> up and edit. And then you have to like be in the house, like do the band thing the next day. 
Um, and that was actually a really good, like, work ethic. Like, it really taught us, like, oh, you got a deadline. You got to get it done. And you got to stay up late. And you got to be creative. You got to be – we got put into, like, forced creative mode where it's like, all right, we're on day 247. Like, what are we going to do for the vlog today? Like, how are we going to be creative when it's two degrees outside and we just want to go sleep? Like, how are we going to be creative and uh, create, it like, a unique product? Um, so in that sense, it was really helpful and really cool. I just was like, man, I don't want to like edit videos. It's just not my, like, not my, <laughs> not my thing, which not your thing. Lawrence, yeah. Lawrence is really good at it. And Seth was really good. At it, and Jake was really good at it. Um, and like, I got through it and, and every once in a while I was like, oh, this was super funny. But um, it, one thing it did for us was we did a hundred vlogs before we even put music out. So like when we, when we came to our first show, we had like a little small, youtube fan base granted it was like 100 people but like yeah a lot of those people showed up to our first show so like our first show wasn't like a demoralizing like nobody came we actually had built already like a kind of a cool fan base based on the vlog so like that was such a win and such a unique thing to do in that time i'm just glad it's over right now <laughs> so you're not going back to the vlog is what you're no, saying that was honestly that that but it did i mean that and like sports obviously like me and you we played football together like yeah. There's a couple of things outside of either whether you're in like a, a business type role or like a music role, there's like work ethic can't, isn't, can't be like, there's no other thing that can replace work ethic and just working hard. And just like the vlog was one of those things that was just like, it just gets done. Like you got to get yeah. it done regardless of what work it takes. You just got to get it done. Yeah. It's funny how that works when you kind of don't give yourself another option. It's the same thing with your actual band itself. You said you guys are going full time. Like we have to make this work when you kind of, it's almost like burning, burning the bridge or whatever. Like you just don't have a choice, like make it happen. And so I think even with like the podcast that I've done and other content things like, yeah, the, the podcast comes out every week, like regardless of anything I'm doing, it just comes out every week. So I don't really, I don't really think about it. It's just like it. I have to do it like, and I want to do it too, but you just like know that that's, that's the thing you're doing, which is helpful. Yeah, absolutely. It just got to happen. Dude, I'm going to, what I want to hear for a second. Do, do the people, yeah. that do you ever like talk about your stuff? I want to hear about your stuff, dude. What do you want to know? It's like, so you do a podcast every week. Yeah. And I've done more than one, some, some weeks. It depends. Like, so like, when I think about, yeah, I mean, I always have a, a sure. bunch of them that are kind of ahead. And I've I've kind of gone through a lot of that backlog during winter break because I took some time uh, off in terms of like actually recording new ones. Sure. But I had so many built up that like, yeah, I still have a few in the backlog right now. And so oh. it's always a matter of staying ahead, right? Because you don't want to feel like you're behind necessarily on the on the show. And I have more guests booked up uh, kind of constantly. I do it. A lot, of the, a lot of the good thing that's helpful is batching. So typically I'll do actually more than one interview in a day and then kind of batch it that way. Sure. And then kind of, kind of the same thing actually with, um, in terms of like not just releasing and recording, but, um, also just like getting new guests. So when I reach out to guests, I reach out to like a bunch at once. Sure. Um, but it's, I'm sure it's kind of similar with, with you. I, I'm always thinking about it. And so if I see a magazine article about someone, I, I'll just reach out to them. I'll just link LinkedIn, connect with them and be like, Hey, I'd love to have you in the show. I saw what you're doing. Like I'll just do that randomly all the time. Absolutely. And so it's constant, it's constant in that way. So it's just, you just keep working on it over time Absolutely. and I'll just kind of do this forever. I feel like. So yeah, dude, I, I love that. We have the same thing where we were like, we, you got a backlog, you got to have stuff ready and you got to be like ready for content. And like, we actually met, we had a booking agent that met with us like a couple years ago and they decided not to work with us. But the first thing they asked us was like, what content do you have backlogged or like what, what content do you have ready to roll right now? And we're like, oh my God, we have nothing. 
like <laughs> that idea of like having stuff in the back, like backseat if something were to go wrong or just like always having content ready is like so important. Yeah. And do, do you guys have like, sh- like music then you're just like, oh yeah, we need to record this, but we're just waiting or like we, we just haven't gotten to it yet. Like we'll get to it eventually. Like, like how much music do you have in, in the works, you know? Yeah. So we have like, so when you, you, you write a song and then you mix it and then you master it to kind of get to like, those are the, the steps of like getting it to like radio ready, quote unquote. Um, yeah. So we, we have like six or seven songs right now that are mixed and mastered, like ready to go, like ready to get put out. If we want to put them out tomorrow, we could with like Spotify stuff, whatever. But yeah. yeah. And then there's six or seven like ready to go. And then there's like, who knows, like 50 that are kind of just like little snippets of songs or like further along. But there's a lot like in the pipeline right now of content is just king right now. And people are putting stuff out so fast and like people like, drake and like post malone and those guys they put out albums that are like 25 songs long and it's like you just gotta have content and those guys are a little bit different because the way spotify streaming works like the top 0.1 percent if you just have more songs on your record you're just gonna make a lot more money because of how many people are gonna play those couple songs but that only applies to the top the top of the top so but yeah, you just gotta have content like ready, ready to rip at all times. Well, it's kind, it's kind of like YouTube as well. I mean, like the top, of the top, they'll make a bunch because your actual amount you're getting per per view, or whatever, on YouTube is so low. And I know that because like my my best friend, my best friend Zach actually, who's been on the show twice, um, he has like you know hundred thousand plus YouTube subscribers he's, he's and stuff. Piano guy. Yes, I watched guy, yep. you showed that's cool, man. I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that's like you, you're not going to make a ton per thing. So at that point, if you have so many followers, and yeah, every every song matters. Like you'll you'll make way more per uh, per thing because you have so many streamers. But for, for you, then, like, how do you think about distribution then with with your music? Yeah, it, it, that is a whole another game too. Is like we we actually work with a small mini label that does a lot, like a lot of that, like behind the scenes distribution, publishing kind of stuff for us and so i don't know like the actual nitty-gritty of how that stuff plays out um but it is it is crazy man there's so much that goes into songwriting credits and publishing credits and then distribution and 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 we we use a thing called TuneCore, i believe which is just like a a middleman between us and like itunes spotify apple music um amazon music that we use for like distribution of our songs but it's all yeah it's pushing out to everything. Level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of the same with podcasting, actually. So I use a Libsyn, and that just hosts, like, my podcast. And then sure. it's basically that feed is connected. So, like, as soon as I post it, it's like the, the the podcast is then on Spotify. It's on Apple. It's on all those different things just from the, the feed, which makes it much, much easier than people think to actually get something out. You know, yeah, like right. I could record something now. I could literally just post it if I really want to and be, it'd be done. But there's always more after the words of course to, to clean up and everything but sure um yeah and then with like even like the billboard for like getting the word out about yeah. about you guys like how did that billboard come about then yeah we were just like how do we how do we be unique right now like what what, what can we do to separate ourselves from other bands in minneapolis or just like other other noise there's just so much noise fighting for people's attention and we were like you know, do we invest this money in Instagram ads or Facebook ads? And we are like, what if we just got a big billboard like in downtown Minneapolis and put our faces on it and like didn't have a lot of information on it. It just said like stream. the. Th- I think it just said stream the thrill, listen to Yamhouse or something like super simple like that. Um, and it was like a big splash. And the funny thing was like, it's so funny. The 
perception of like oh you guys are on a billboard like you made it that's crazy <laughs> that like you made it and you're on a billboard when like in reality we like <laughs> the company we're like hey can we have a billboard and they're like yeah it's this much money and we're like okay and then we just like did <laughs> it's like, you're like all right the perception of like how things look versus how things just got done but that was a huge like, one of the radio stations in the cities going 96.3 that we've become friends with like every time they play us they're like Remember their billboard? That was crazy. And it's like so funny. So that's a big part of our story with the school. Well, that makes me think like, yeah, what else is there like that that you haven't done yet then? You Absolutely. Know? Like what is, how can you be unique in your advertising? Because everyone's doing Instagram ads. Everyone's doing things that are like, it, there's so much noise and there's so much stuff vying for people's attention. Like how can you actually be um, engaging and unique? And that's something that, is cool because you're in a creative headspace for that, but it's not necessarily a music creative headspace. It's more like if I was a consumer, like what I think this is cool or like, would this catch my attention? Which is a whole, there's like a zillion things that I didn't think I was going to be doing when I decided to be in a band and like marketing ideas is, is one of them. <laughs> Which is everything. I mean, cause yeah, it's absolutely. how you get people the word out, right. About the, absolutely. about the band. I mean, with like the Instagram ads and like doing paid acquisition, that type of stuff. I mean, do you have people doing that for you guys already now? Or how are you looking at that? You said budget's pretty low, obviously for some of that stuff, but. Sure. Yeah. Oprah does a lot of that. And then they, she works with our label a lot, but it is cool. Spotify has been um, actually a really cool tool for um, like starting up musicians because Spotify gives us data. There's a thing called Spotify for artists that you can get as an artist. And it just kind of gives you all your data. Like that stuff is so helpful and so unique to our time period where like we immediately have where our fans are and where we could go tour and potentially get people to come because it just shows us on our Spotify, like where people are listening to our music. And so with that being said, we can actually target ads based on like, Oh, there's a lot of people in Chicago that listen on Spotify that are between this, these ages and they don't have premium Spotify. They use the free one. So they hear ads. So, Oh, we should do ads for this age group. And then when you do ads to Spotify, you can actually narrow it between like, uh, we want to, we want to target this age group, um, this demographic in this area so that they buy a ticket to our show in a couple months. And like, that's awesome. That amount of analytics is really helpful for us to like make smart business decisions. Yeah. And it's funny how it goes, right? Like, you know, people aren't making money directly from their music, but then there's so many ways to break out as an artist in theory, because of like, it's, you're not making money directly through it, but they have distribution. They give you these stats and things. So it's like, it's helpful in that way, but then it is like, yeah, okay. You need to play shows because of it. Like that's where you make the money mostly is on the shows. And like you said, the merch as well. Absolutely. It's funny. Yeah. It is like a blessing and a curse. Cause like the, the, the payback to the artist isn't great but now we're getting new information on how to play more shows. And people now I saw something the other day that like the music industry is ready for a boom. And like, I mean, who knows? I think that was someone's just speculation, but like this seemed like there was a dip for a while. And now like the music industry is, could be coming back with some, with some fervor, which is a good thing for me to hear. Yeah, exactly. Very, very <laughs> exciting. <laughs> and then, and then Zach with, with Yam house, I mean, why do you think you guys have kind of, broken out of like the noise that is uh the music scene because you guys have done so well in the, in the last year you've done so many shows but why is it you think you have achieved this level of success so far yeah um it's a good question i think one big thing is that we we really like went all in on this pro- on this project and i think with some other bands it's just it, it's harder to like take that leap of faith it's super hard to take that leap of faith like you got to be okay with like 
a certain level of dis- discomfort, just like um, job security wise and like money wise, you got to be able to like kind of take a hit on that stuff. And like, if you love it and are willing to do that, it's a good move. And you think that you like from the beginning, I was like, man, I, I really believe in this project and I believe in this group of guys. And like, I believe in it enough to take these hits right now. And I think that led us to say yes to certain situations that we couldn't have if I like had a job, like one of our first big moments that we had was first Avenue called us the morning of uh, a show, a, a singer named Bishop Briggs was playing at first Ave and she, her opener got sick last second. And so they called us knowing that like, all we do is the Yam house band. Like all we do is Yam house. So yeah. they knew that probably on a dime we could get over there, sound check and play a show on a, to a sold out crowd, like early in our band. And that was like a huge win for us. But, just the ability to like say yes to things that we probably wouldn't have been able to if we had full-time jobs, I think was a huge reason why like we got certain opportunities. Um, yeah. And then just like, I really do believe in the product that we have. I think um, when I look at like my favorite bands, I love, I love bands like U2 and bands like Coldplay um, bands that are like arena style, like size bands. Um, and I think, more, I, I love their music, but I'm also bu- like I'm also buying them as a product. As far as like when I watch them on stage, it's more than music. It's like I'm watching like four brothers on stage like make this stuff and be connected and have this product that is more than just the music. And I think when I looked at our band, I was like, I think we have that, and I think we have that like it factor that people like to see, and it is indescribable. I don't want to sound too cocky or like egotistic. No, I think you got to have a certain level of reality when you're deciding to take a huge step in your life. And I was like, Oh, cool. I think this can work. And I, I, I see the, the product as something that is sellable and viable. And that's why I think taking the step was so easy. And then just the level of success that we've had so far, I think people are drawn to that idea. And I think it's worked out so far at least. <laughs> yeah. And then moving forward then too, like in 2020 here, what is what's on tap? I mean, what's, what are the plans for Yam House 2020? Yeah, I think we, we we talked about it before, but like Minneapolis, I feel like we've done a pretty good job with with just creating a product here. And I think now the next step is like, how do we how do we get out of here? How do we get to the East Coast? How do we get to the West Coast? How do we exp- like we want to we uh, the next step for us, I think, is we want to become a national band. We want to step out of being like a local band and, and really move um, towards that, like getting on maybe a national tour, like opening slot and, and getting into new venues and new places and just spreading the the name of Yam House, I think, is is the next step. Hopefully, yeah. And with that too, I mean, what do you think that's just kind of speculative? But like, what do you think that's going to take? Because I mean, you've done you've done a great job with Minneapolis. It's just a matter of uh, you think just playing more shows and it's just kind of going to go that way. Are you looking for you know? Are there certain bands you know that oh we could probably tour with them potentially in terms of they fit with you? Like how how do you think that would go? Sure and. Um, I, I would say, and, and maybe you can speak to this too, but I feel like we've learned in this industry, it's, it's, it, it can be about what you know, but it's more about who you know. And it's like, if you can get in with the right people and get in front of the right people. And, you know, we're looking at working at working with different, um, you know, management company right now. And we have different lines in the water of like, you got to be working with people who have relationships in the business. Cause that's like, you hear stories of people who have made it. And it's like, Oh, I knew somebody who knew somebody whose manager hooked me up with this, 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 and that was my big break. And like, so much of it is who you know and the relationships that you can and the relationships you can foster. And so 
I think we're going to hopefully start working with some people that have those relationships and then just getting in the door and you hear people who are like, Oh, we we played a show in some random club and the person who broke us was like in the back, like having a drink. So like, yeah, making sure we're playing every show, like it's the one that could get us where we need to, where we want to go. And just meeting the right people, I think is the, is the, you know, the next steps and just keeping, you know, working hard, you know? Yeah. And keep, keep playing, obviously. And, uh, it just makes me think of like Scooter Braun discovering Justin Bieber on YouTube. <laughs> you know, it just, he was there. It's just, you never know what could, what, what it could be. And like, you're doing, it seems like all the right things with at least what I follow along and have seen so far with playing so many shows and you have something unique for sure. If people look at you, it's just like, yeah, this band, like you want to be around it. You want to, you want to follow along and it's going to, I just assume it's going to continue to grow uh, 2020 and beyond. And, and one of the last questions that I've had here is just what would be kind of your uh, advice for anyone else kind of either starting in, in a band or even starting a business with like going all in, like what, what would be your advice about it? Yeah, I would say being, being ready to like sacrifice for a bit. And I think um, if you love what you are going to do enough to like make those sacrifices, like, um, yeah, I think that's the, that's the main goal. I mean, I, I see people who are my age right now who are killing it financially and like doing the thing and like neither one is right. Neither one is wrong. But like it, it I, if I was the type that was like, man, I wish I had that right now. I wish I had the house. I wish I had all this stuff. Like that wouldn't have worked out because it's just, we're still in the grind phase right now. We're still in the like kind of scrape by phase. And I think if, if you love your, your product enough, whether you're a musician or starting a business or if you believe in what you're doing enough to make those sacrifices and, and to keep moving, I think um, take that step and be ready to like really, really work hard. Um, yeah. And especially maybe specifically music, we were, we went and talked to a high school one time and some kid asked like, what would you tell yourself when you were in high school? Like kind of it's it's come up a bunch today but like being in a band isn't just about playing the right notes it's about like learning how to sell t-shirts and like learning what margins are and like profit margins and stuff like that because you start out as a small business and then you got to sell t-shirts to make money let like i was like oh i'm just gonna play my bass and like we're gonna make a ton of money like that's such a night like, it was a naive <laughs> way to think, but i would tell someone that like be ready to step outside what you thought you were gonna have to do just to do whatever you need to do to make what you want to do happen if that was not the most confusing thing I ever said. <laughs> I love it. No, I think it makes complete sense. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Where can people go to uh, learn more about you and, and Yamhouse? Yeah, yamhouse.com is like we have all of our dates and stuff like that. And then house is actually spelled H-A-U-S. So if you just go on like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff and just search Yamhouse, H-A-U-S, you can find all of our stuff. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show today, Zach. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, check out The Grind, which is a community where entrepreneurs, creators, and other go-getters can connect digitally and in person to build their businesses, get ideas and inspiration, make an impact, and support others pursuing their dream. The goal of this community where I created is, is really simple. It's to use our collective experiences, skills, connections, and unrelenting ambition to make a bigger impact on the world. And during my time at USC, Growing this podcast, attending conferences, I've met so many incredible people and wanted to have a way to connect them, a place where they could reach out to each other, get support, but also then just leverage the skills we have to do more. And this community is exactly that. Learn more at justgrind.com slash the dash grind. You can also find it from the homepage, justgrind.com. Check it out. Thank you.